Congratulations, Red Bull, on a dominant Constructors' Championship win. But the solo masterclass from Max Verstappen was not the main story today. Welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast. This is episode 332. And if you'd like to see or hear more from us in your social feed, why not give us a follow at Grid Talk UK, everywhere you can find the at symbol. I'm your host today, Tom Horrocks, and I'm joined today by Monkey Seat podcast host, Carl King. Oh, host. And, and hit the apex coast. <laughs> You're the glory. And hit the apex coast, Jawa Jakub. G'day, everyone. G'day. Lovely, lovely time of day for yourself today as well. It's a nice to see some natural light in your background. So I just said in my pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> just a word from today's sponsor, which is betonline.ag, which is your number one source for all basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports from this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season, as they have you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, right through to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play straight from your home. Head to betonline.ag today. Be sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. So I'm going to come to you, Jalpa, to start this one off. And a race that, once again, for Alfa Romeo was the first team we're talking about, not for the first time this year, and I'm sure not for the last. But Bottas being played ping pong a little bit, just being bashed around from pillar to post. Debris from his car hitting Joe, not unlike the McLarens last year when we saw that happen. And first retirement from Bossas and just a, a lonely zero points finish for Joe. Another disappointing day for them. Very disappointing. And I was saying on the qualifying post-show yesterday that what they need to do is just stay out of trouble and exist and finish the race, even if it is in outside the points. So for Bottas, obviously, that's not happened. And he was involved on numerous incidents, not all his fault as well with the collision with Sargent being rammed at the hairpin that ultimately took him out of the race. But yeah, the first lap incident, I'm sure we'll talk more about it with the other uh, drivers involved, but often you can't go three wide into the first corner. It just doesn't work. And then, yeah, Joe, unfortunately, was collateral damage in that incident. So but he was able to circulate for the rest of the race and came home 13th. But Bottas, he'll be disappointed that they could have kept the car from retiring without incident. But yeah, messy race for them at the end. And of course, the grid talk customary line of they're just waiting for the Audi money. They're just waiting for the Audi money. I'm pretty sure that's going to be mentioned every podcast between now and the end of next season. Just towing the company line there. But uh, Williams was a team that we weren't expecting a lot from this weekend, Carl. I think they said themselves that it was going to be probably their worst race of the season. But with a race with a few retirements, you'd hope that they would you know, potentially get something. But it was, in the end, a double failure for them both. Albon collision with Bottas and eventually retiring. Sargent taking a bite out of the Alpha as well. A quiet one for Albon, but cost the error from Sargent once again. The team really wants to retain him, but he's making an argument for them replacing him, isn't he? Wow. Yes, there wasn't much. There wasn't much really that happened without, apart from vanishing off the track. Sergeant is like Crash Bandicoot at the moment, just spinning everywhere and smashing into everything and not getting any Inga Bungos along the way. Albon is doing very well, but he was unlucky this time. Sort of had a bit of a collision. It's, I, th- I think the Williams almost retired him just out trying to get him off the track, just because it wasn't worth staying on there. I it just felt like quite a quick retirement for not a lot of damage. 
and it probably wasn't. The sooner Sergeant goes, the better. Unfortunately, he's no American hero to the Americans here. Yeah, I think he's got to go. And I'm surprised if he will make the Cota at this rate, his own, his home races or Las Vegas. Do you know what I mean? Oh, no, man, he's his home race official, isn't it? Yeah, that's scathing words there from Carl King. And yeah, I, I don't completely agree that he's he needs to be replaced. But I think there is a bit of an imparity in those cars as well. And Alvin's been getting the upgrades. But to be fair, Sergeant keeps smashing the cars up. So maybe he thinks if he smashes all the parts off his car, he'll get the upgrades because he haven't got any of the old parts left. But it's certainly not going well. All he needs to do is prove that he's got got something that's worth keeping and they'll keep him. But he doesn't seem to be doing that at the moment. So not going well. But another team that not doing particularly well and again expected with the Haas team this weekend not expecting to do anything. The last two runners on track. So they were able to finish the race but even with five retirements they've still nowhere near the points. Yeah, I have a bit of a loss as to what to ask about Haas really. Did you think they were ever in the chance to get any points? If there was another five cars that dropped out of the race then sure but yeah Haas kind of showing that the lack of upgrades that they've had through the season, this mantra that they seem to have of not really developing the car through the season, not really working for them, unfortunately. Magnussen, his only highlight or low light, if you'd like, of the race was the fact that he got rammed by Sergio Perez, a carbon copy of what happened to Bottas with Sargent as well. Like you said, Tom, they both finished the race at least, but they were last of the classified runners and just off the pace and I think Magnussen was actually a lap down as well if I'm not if I'm correct so yeah they're not they're not really showing anything I think the fact that you had five cars that did retire flattered the result in the end but there's not really much to expect when the cars are not equipped with the tools needed to fight further up the field yeah, to be honest, given the, the fact a lot of people were still on the lead lap there, that, I was very surprised about that. There was I was expecting a huge disparity between, I was expecting, say, the top five being the only ones on the lead lap. But uh, I guess it shows how close everyone else is and probably how much Max Verstappen probably wasn't pushing as well. But I'm sure we'll get on to that a little bit later on, much later on. But we're going to talk now about the AlphaTauri team, Carl, and Lawson and Sonoda both ran into points at various times. It's the first time we've had a clean weekend for Sonoda against Lawson. I was a bit sceptical as to whether Lawson was the real deal, but now against Yuki, he certainly does look that way. What's your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Lawson is actually quite a good driver, and I'm gutted he's not replacing Yuki next year. Not that Yuki's been bad, I just think Lawson is better. This is Yuki's home race. He'll be very disappointed with coming behind his teammate. He'll be very disappointed with coming in 12th. They were dancing in and out of the points. But I think the Alpines got the better of them in the end. And the Astons and Mercs. But I just think that Lawson is... a Yeah, it was very clean. Snowder kept out of trouble. We didn't have any sweary Snowder moments. And I didn't even hear anything from Lawson. So I'm intrigued as to how their race was really run. In, from a strategic point of view and as to how Lawson jumped Yuki because at one point Yuki was above Lawson but again we didn't see it so it's hard to see yeah it was very much a, a late push from from Lawson with Snowder behind him they had very similar race strategies to be fair they had the I think Lawson had a slight tire offset but but that may have been what undercut him ahead of but like you say we didn't really see any of it so it's difficult to, to comment really 
But Aston Martin, we did see a fair amount from, not a huge amount from Lance Stroll with a uh, with another bad weekend, Jared, and uh, a rear wing failure. It seems they, as we saw when he pulled into the pits, it was it was looking very loose. And yeah, Stroll, I thought he did okay up to eleventh by the end of lap one with all the chaos. But Alonso fairly uncompetitive in the race as well. Bad strategy, dropping back, and they really are doing their best to finish fifth in the constructors this year, aren't they? <laughs> I wonder if that was a tongue-in-cheek comment, Tom. Oh, yeah, sorry, fifth in the constructors, yeah, because they're currently fourth. Yeah, and we're finally seeing after Singapore as well with the comments Alonso made on the radio about the car being undrivable, kind of first signs of cracks between that relationship because right through the first half of the year, there was honeymoon period and Alonso talking about how this is the best team ever that he's driven for and whatnot. And everyone knows how toxic a character Alonso can be when things are not going his way. And remember back to this race in 2015 or 2016, when he made the comment about GP2 engines when he was driving for McLaren with the Honda power, the rail can quickly fall off the rails. And the fact that McLaren had another good result this weekend, no points on one side of the garage for Aston Martin and Alonso dragging that car to P8. He had some good battles, but battles that he shouldn't really be having in a car that's supposedly quicker than the Alpines as well. And the fact that he was stuck behind Esteban Ocon for quite some time as well, the opposite of... A couple of years ago, he was telling Esteban to defend like a lion for him, but this time Alcon's defending like a lion for himself and Alpines and, yeah, fighting against the Mercedes as well. Alonso had no chance, but it's going to be interesting. I think seeing how many races are left and the sprint races that are coming up too, I have a feeling that Aston Martin are going to lose that fourth and, like you say, trying hard to get that fifth. And with Stroll, no real comment. I think we touched on it in the after the qualifying show that, yeah, it's not really showing much at the moment. And, yeah, today was a, a car failure that put him out of it, but I'm sure if he stayed on track, he might have run into some kind of incident like we saw with other drivers. It's a curious case of Lance Stroll, isn't it? Because he's he always seemed to be a decent Formula One driver with just lots of opportunities to prove that he could be better. But he now seems to be going backwards, if anything, which is a real shame. And I guess it shows how how far removed the Sebastian Vettel was that we were that we were expecting to see against Lance Stroll, given that Lance Stroll compared fairly well against Sebastian Vettel, whereas now against Alonso, he seems to be in a different ballpark altogether. But moving on to the the other A team that we care about, Alpine, what looked to be a pretty uncompetitive weekend. Gasly started the weekend propping up the timings and crashing in in practice as well, and and Ocon had a collision on lap one as well, which which meant he had to box for a new front wing. But in the end, a double points finish for them. Are they going to be happy with that, Carl? It's not an A team we really care about. Let's just clarify that. <laughs> it is a team that's there. Yeah, they, they I, yeah. I think they would have liked eighth and ninth. To be honest, but ninth to tenth is dealable with, I think. Ocon did show some amazing fights, especially with Alonso. I'm, I think he would be gutted to have Alonso ahead of him in the end. And Pierre Gesley did come up the fields quite slowly and got there. I think he started further back, trying to remember. But yeah, they're again, they're a team that's possibly in flux. Um, they've had some good races recently, and they're a team that just need to need to ride out this season and try and concentrate on next season with new management, new everything. But it, it, it is, you can tell it's affecting the team. Yeah, 100%. And, but a, a team that 
that they looked absolutely dead sir for second in the constructors championship not that long ago Jared and and Ferrari seems to be catching them at a race of knots but an eventful day for Hamilton a bit of damage bit, bits flying off the car it seemed as well two great battles with his teammate as well with George Russell and taking time off each other team order which seemed to sacrifice George Russell a little bit leaving him defenseless did Merck miss a trick or was was science always coming through there and in the end was it just about protecting Lewis I think, yeah, at the end, it was a case of they were damned if they did, damned if they didn't. They put themselves in that position with the one-stop strategy for George that didn't really work out. And it was inevitable that Signs was going to pass. I was glad that despite Russell saying, wait till the last lap to invert the positions and then use the tactic that Signs did in Singapore to give the car behind DRS, that uh, Mercedes got Hamilton ahead earlier than that because I think... If they had left it another two laps or whatever, it was at that point that they risked losing both positions to the Ferrari. So the fact that, yeah, they did sacrifice Russell in the end, he was on the effectively the wrong strategy or not the most optimal strategy at the time. There was no point in trying to rescue a position there. And also Singapore and Suzuka, two different tracks. It's harder to pass at Singapore. So that would have worked there as it did for Sainz and Lando in that situation. It wasn't going to work here at Suzuka, but scrappy race for Hamilton to get to fifth. He was involved with Perez on the first lap, as we saw going off and getting a bit of damage. And then looked at by the stewards too with uh, Russell, his teammate at the spoon curve and Russell didn't seem too happy about that, but Rubens racing and both of them showing that they are feisty to race each other and it's quite entertaining and it'll be entertaining when the car's in a position to actually fight for wins again. So looking forward to that. But what was telling as well was Hamilton's comments in the pen after the race, um, trying to assert it kind of his lead driver position if you have in the team saying he's the one who scored the points today and he's the one sitting second in the championship as well or sorry third I should say for Cop Perez is still in second that's going to be talked about a bit later I'm sure but Hamilton is having a better season of course this year compared to last but Russell has had the the bad luck as well he's at four dnfs and now he's lost his tied on points with lando but he's lost that position in the championship too it's going to be an interesting one and for mercedes moving forward but yeah very much going to be interesting to watch them when the car improves for next year yeah i think that's a relationship that's going to vastly deteriorate over the next couple of years if mercedes make that step forward that they need to make as we've seen george can be quite 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 aggressive and Hamilton when he's against teammates if he's if he's not the number one driver he will wrestle his way into that position but we're talking now about Ferrari and and as I've just said before gaining points on Mercedes car and and it looked like potentially a good weekend given that they're gaining points on on Mercedes and showing a competitive car but is this a return of the of the Ferrari we all know and love where they had an easy fourth and fifth and then they've managed to turn it into a fourth and sixth oh absolutely this is just Ferrari, like nothing changes. Yeah, that shouldn't that should have been a fourth and fifth. And Carlos should have probably caught up with Hamilton there. Sorry, Carlos should have fended off Hamilton even. But it didn't really oh no, caught up. Caught up. Sorry, I'm gonna think about it. How'd she caught up? Sorry. Uh, Wake up, come on. <laughs> it's two o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. I'm still in my pajamas. Anyway, yeah, Carlos should have caught up with him. There was no way there was no reason Hamilton was slower. He I think the, the teamwork of of Mercedes and screwing that up probably 
screwed up their race, the Ferrari race. And they should have been third or fourth, to be honest, in that car. So the fact they were fourth and sixth is slightly disappointing. They will be disappointed by that. And they will be very nervous about the McLarens now just taking all their points. Oh, Chris, do you think then that McLaren have got a chance of catching Ferrari, he says? <laughs> uh, yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? It would be really nice. I don't think mathematically it'll work. That Ferrari, although Ferrari, because Ferrari, they actually have a reasonably good car that is not pissing everywhere and, and breaking into parts. The only thing that they do have is Charles Leclerc. Yeah, no, fair, fair point. But but we'll move on to McLaren now. And the two of us on this call right now are wearing McLaren merchandise. And I'm wearing two parts of McLaren merchandise just to bring it up to a nice round three. But both drivers had a shot of the lead in turn one, Jared. And, and Oscar benefited from the, from the undercut and partial benefit from the safety car. Norris, though, he did show good pace and good good time management as well to come through to be a, a comfortable and dominant second place. 33 points, a huge haul of points for them. How impressed are you today? And, and are they going to catch Aston Martin? Uh, super impressed, Tom. Uh, very impressed. Their best result of the season, of course, with both cars on the podium for the first time since the 1-2 finish in Monza uh, going back in 21. And hard not to show my delight for Oscar Piastri's maiden podium in F1. And I think he's the first rookie driver to get on the podium since our uh, beloved Lance Stroll as well. Um Back in 2018, I think it was, in the Williams there. It's been coming for Oscar, and I was nervous at one point there with Russell being on a different strategy, but also Charles Leclerc looked quick on the medium tyres in that second stint as well. But luckily for Oscar, they Ferrari fell back and the Russell strategy fell apart. There was a bit of a inter-team moment as well when Lando wanted to get past and they sorted that quickly, but it was like, okay, feud. They're not going to crash into each other, but Lando was getting a bit agitated on the radio. You mentioned the virtual safety car, which did kind of benefit Oscar early on, but unfortunately then didn't later with the tyre offset and everyone else being on fresher tyres. But at the end of the day, they were the second quickest car behind Verstappen and it was their podium to lose and they executed a wonderful race. And going back and looking at the difficult years of this team, you're going to you'll be well aware, Tom, and have suffered through many of those dark days for the team that, yeah, things are starting to look up and especially considering where they were at the start of the year too, getting knocked out in Q1 and five pit stops for Lando in Bahrain as well before retirement. This is looking good with the chance of them finishing fourth in the championship. You calculated, I think, 8.2 points per race now heading into the heading to Abu Dhabi to overhaul Aston Martin. I think it's really possible and I would love to see it because the whole team deserves it. They've worked really hard and under the new leadership of Andrea Stella as well, seems to be no drama and he's kept a cool head and kept everyone else cool around him. Yeah, I was doing the maths before the race and at 11 or 12-ish points, swing every race I thought that's too much it's, it's hard enough to score 11 points in the race despite outscoring Aston Martin by that many points but but now with this huge points haul and, and very few points for Aston Martin 
that eight points with a couple of sprint races thrown in there as well. That seems possible. Another couple of races like this and uh, we could see it being comfortable. But uh, I'm still not I'm still not convinced. I think Aston will come back and it will at least be a fight going into the last race. But one thing we are not going to be seeing with regards to a fight is the Constructors' Championship, Carl. And with Red Bull closing that out today, a, a double Red Bull retirement would have been a tantling proposition. But leave it to Perish to get both DNFs. Max Peerless at the front and Aaron Harper from ASGP put it best when he said, genuine question, is Perez drunk? Was he? <laughs> I think the team were drunk as well. Oh yeah, we're, we're doing nothing. And then we're sending back out. And then it was so confusing. I could not work out what was going on. Yeah, Perez was just having a bit of a, another Crash Bandicoot moment himself and was just hitting everything and hitting everyone in sight. And yeah, I did say... A bit strange. And then, he, so he DNF'd, which was a bit of a, okay, fine. And then he came back out again about 20 plus laps later, even though it says only plus six laps, so go figure. Um, he was six and, laps behind Lance Stroll, who retired 20 laps earlier. <laughs> okay. Is that how they were doing the math? Yeah. I think that was more luck. Yeah. To then not get his penalty. And then it was, it, it just seemed a bit random, the whole thing. And um me think, if they could send them back out, why are they not sending cars back out? If they're retiring them, they should be retired. If they can't send them back out, they should finish the race, not re-retire them just because they can't be asked to drive it around. Or it, it, I don't know. So, yeah, it, like obviously Max dominated that race, not that we saw him much. And typically we saw him at the end when there was other races, go, battles going on, and you sat there looking at Max cross a line, which is getting boring now. But... Yeah, Perez, I don't know, Perez did not have a good weekend. Perez was very slip-slidey. He did look like he was drunk. I don't know what was wrong with him, why he couldn't get his eye in at all into this race. I think the writing's on the wall again with him, but maybe I, maybe one bad race doesn't make make a firing. No, but it's not one bad race now, is it really? My, my opinion is on Paris. Your Mexican well, hat is yeah, well and truly going to George at the moment. It's safe. It's still on my Amazon wish list, but I, I, I'm thinking I might send it to George. But uh, yeah. yeah, to anyone who's been in a box the last the last six months, myself and George have got opposing bets where I said Perez will. I actually said Perez will never win another race, but we, we trimmed that down to the rest of this season. And if Perez wins a race this season, then I have to host a podcast with a sombrero in my underwear. And George has to do the same if Perez doesn't. So I'm thinking uh, I'm looking very confident with my bet right now. So we, we haven't spoken much about Max Verstappen, but but why would we, given that we didn't see him after that that first quarter incident? He pulled out a gap and made a pit stop into fresh air. No challenges anywhere around him. I did quite like the suggestion that Lando Norris made where Oscar Piastri should try and uh, emulate at centre in turn one in Japan with Alain Prost so that he could get the win. But alas, that wasn't to happen. But I'm going to come to you guys now to ask about your driver of the day. So, Jared, who, who have you got for driver of the day? I'm going to be go vanilla and just go with Max because it was a faultless drive from him and particularly coming after the difficult weekend in Singapore too. I know he had some choice words after qualifying to anyone who thought Red Bull were finished or they were hit by the 
technical directive the wrong way, etc. But yeah, Max showing why he's been the driver of the season this year. And when you look at the constructors' points versus the points that he's accumulated himself, two thirds of the point, two thirds of the teams tally almost four hundred points of the six twenty three that Red Bull have scored. Yeah, standout performance from him. Honda's home soil and showing why he's been the class act this season. Yeah, absolutely. And to you, Carl? Probably Oscar. I can't give it to Norris because he was given that position and the tyre strategy. So, yeah, actually, Oscar was a better driver. And Max is just so far ahead. Like, it's a clean drive, but it wasn't a drive of the day. Oscar had some good fights at the beginning and sat there and cleanly did what he did and deserves as a rookie to be there. Yeah, no, that's a fair shout as well. And I, I look through that. I always like to do just show a little bit of show a bit of love to the people that don't get the driver of the day vote. And but looking through the field, and I can't think of anyone really besides Max or Oscar that that really deserves it. I say apart from Lando, or you could say Hamilton, but that defense on George, that second second defense was just a little bit on the on the on the over the top side for me. I don't. I'm. I think. I don't want to say someone like Charlotte Clegg is so quiet. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Jared and I'm gonna say Max Verstappen as well because he's gone the constructors championship and everything like that. So it's it seems to be the yeah he definitely was the strongest performer on the day. I'm gonna do something a little bit different now as we normally we've got a bit of time to spare now. There's a there's a little feature that myself and and Carl do on the monkey seat which I'm not gonna say because we're not allowed to say it on uh, on on this show. But I'm gonna say who would be your doofus. Doofus of the day. Doofus of the day, I suppose we could call it that. Yeah. So I'm going to say, is that allowed? I'm, yeah, I think we'll go with that. Doofus. Yeah. Okay. Dunce of the day. So, Jawad, who was your (laughs) dunce of the day? Oh, so many to choose from, actually. Quite so, Nine unlike... cars got damaged, just to say. Nine <laughs> yeah. cars had damage in this race. Insane. Unlike, yeah, unlike driver of the day. Look, I've got to probably hand it to Checo on this one because. Like we've discussed through the whole show, yeah, possibly he was intoxicated through the time, but come on, it's becoming embarrassing. And is his P2 in the championship under threat too, if he continues to have performances like this? You'd have to say probably. If I were him, I'd just be looking forward to the end of the season now, because unless he does something drastically horrible to lose his seat... He probably is looking forward to a winter break or summer break, whatever season it'll be in Mexico at home, to reset and start next year fresh because, yeah, he's just been mentally, you know, the floor has been wiped with him mentally this season and all the stuff that goes on in the press and what Helmut Marco says as well is no doubt really got to him. So, yeah, he'll just need a big reset, I think, unless... He loses his seat. Yeah, maybe Liam Lawson in there. Who knows? As uh, he's available still. So, no, I can't say that myself. But, Carl, your dunce of the day? Dummy of the day is the crash dummy Logan Sargent, really. Like, he just loves going into everything and everyone and just... He's just useless. He's a crook of... Yeah, anyway. He just needs to go now and I don't think he is helping himself and that's his... That's the move that he's making is that he just needs to just stay on track and stay out of trouble. If he ended up last every race, that's what Latifi did a lot of the time. And that's what kept him in the Williams a lot of the time. But it's when it's when you start crashing into everything, you make a name for yourself. And that's the problem. He just needs to stay stay out of the stay out of the crash. Yeah. 
Yeah, and Jodia, you just said it's uh, still to score points as well. So, yeah, very valid. The I believe the only driver who's been in all season that hasn't scored points. I think that's correct in saying because obviously with Debris being dropped and uh, Ricardo only having a couple of points this year. A great meme. I forget which which movie it's from where it had uh, Sergeant say, "What you scored your first point to Lawson," and Lawson be like, "What you mean? It's meant to be hard." It's that's, I forget which movie it is. It was like Legally Blonde or something like that. But it's uh, very funny indeed. So that's it for the for the podcast. I'm just going to give you guys a chance to plug your various outlets. So Jawad, hit the Apex Media. Give us a little plug. Yeah, so you can find the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, I believe. Just me talking about doing race reviews and talking about the Australian Supercars Championship. But you can also find my writing on a website called The Raw, which I do live blogs for all the races. And I just wrapped the one up for the Japanese Grand Prix earlier. And there's a link tree that has all the links that you can find me on. Beg your pardon, that was a rookie mistake there, right? Yeah, and like, like the Monkey Seat podcast, yeah. we have lots of rookie mistakes like that. But Tom forgets to, to, to hear his mic. Actually, no, we don't have mics often. We all talk over each other and it's right mess. But we're the sweary cousin of Grid Talkers, as we call ourselves. And we are slightly edgier and slightly uh, more noisy and a lot more shouty. Uh, yeah, Grid Talk After Dark. It's the other one, as Jared put it there. So yeah, come along. We, we're we every week. We're on all your usual podcast channels. I'm sure Tom can actually promote this better than I can. Probably that's at monkeyseatpod on the socials and .com is the website. And anywhere you can find Grid Talk, you can find Monkey Seat as well. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd love it if you give us a five-star rating and a five and a review on Apple Podcasts and a rating on Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts. That's, that really helps us climb the charts. And if you're one of those listeners not subscribed to the channel, why not do so? If you subscribe on YouTube, then you click the bell and you can see whenever we go live, all our ratios do go out live. So you can you can comment and chat in the chat and we'll do most of our shows. We do a post-show as well where we answer the questions and have a bit of a general natter with our listeners as well we've got over 2000 subscribers on youtube it would love be great if you could share us with some friends and and improve that as well so as i said before we are available on amazon fire spotify google Podcasts, apple music verbal and pocketcast and we do also run a patreon so if you want to help us continue what we're doing please continue please think about contributing and donating to us as well so we can continue doing what we're doing everything does go back in the show so we will be back. The next race is the is the Grand Prix in Qatar. So we will be back as usual to preview that the week before and then doing our normal race shows afterwards. So thank you all very much for joining us and we will see you next time.